Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Woo! Phil's Mafia, here we come. Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times. Here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hey, Bills fans, welcome to another episode of the Circling the Wagons podcast, the only podcast that gives out the mediocre candy first on Halloween in hopes that there's a peanut butter cup or Kit Kat left over for me by the end of the night. I'm your host, Nate, and this is our recap edition podcast where we will discuss the Bills losing to the Patriots 25-6 to in the first Monday night football home game since 2008. We've got a ton of new listeners, so if you're new to our podcast, we recap every Bills game all season. But in this episode, we have a lot more to discuss. We have the Terrell Pryor signing, the trade deadline, the tweets from uh, listeners, and general Bills topics. But let's get right into it. Um, I'm joined by my co-hosts and high school buddies, John and Mike, fellas, how are you doing on this Halloween podcast? Uh, not not too bad. Happy Halloween, Mike. How's it going, Nate? Nate I'm doing great. How are you? And you told everyone saves their favorite candy till the end of the night, <laughs> right? So don't be the first kid showing up at six p.m. You got to wait till like eight, eight thirty. 8.30, 9 o'clock. So let's talk real quick about um, the Bills-Patriots game. I don't want to spend a ton of time on it like we normally do in a recap episode because there's a lot of um, I want to. There's a lot of forward-thinking topics, some outlook topics that I want to discuss this podcast um, just for, for Bills and Bills fans in general. It was another losing effort, so I, you know, we, we don't want to harp on it too much, but basically I um, wanted to discuss it. heading into the game. The Bills and Sean McDermott were 0-2 against the Patriots. From last season, uh, we lost 23 to three at home and 37 to 16 in Foxborough. And just like every week, it seems like we're looking for some positive signs from the offense or even just some signs of life at all. And nothing again this week. Um, as one Twitter follower, um, adbuff one won tweeted us, um, close to the worst offense I've ever seen in 40 years, except the Rob Johnson era. So, um, I, I think it pretty much, you know, covers all of those bases. It was it was a really bad game offensively. They really couldn't get anything going, and there was some creative play calling in the beginning to start the game, but really no ability to execute, sustain drives, and really score. Um, I thought the defense again played a really good game, a good enough game to win. Out of the six losses that the Bills have had, I'd say at least three of those the defense played well enough to win. Whereas if they had just an average offense or, I mean, even slightly sub-average offense, they could have probably won this game. I mean, the defense really only allowed 18 points against Brady, and that should be good enough to win in any normal week. But um, the Bills' offense is just, there's just such a lack of talent for the Buffalo Bills, and the run game was bad, the passing game was clearly subpar and uh, left a lot to be desired. Um, but I mean, what are your guys, John, what's your general thoughts of the game? And do you agree with, with my assessment? Yeah, absolutely. Pretty much word for word, my thoughts, you know, there's, you know, I, I still think punting on fourth and short to medium at midfield when you're playing a team like the Patriots is just unacceptable. You got to 
I mean, you got to get a spark. You got to get something going. Uh, the, there were some mismanaged points, uh, two timeouts in the first quarter, another lost challenge. I mean, in those things, they add up real quick. And when you're playing a team like New England, you know, you're not going to come back from that. You know, uh, Mike, before I get to you, I want to, John, you bring up a good point about not being able to let up um, points or, 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 you know, missed opportunities like the challenge call and timeouts, you know, mismanagement of timeouts. Um, Mike and I were talking last night, we were watching the game and, and I, I brought up like tennis and, you know, I used to play tennis in high school and I found out that, you know, as much as, as much fun as like kill shots are and winners as they're called in tennis, like where you score the most points is, you know, forcing your opponent to make an unforced error, which is basically just stay in the point, keep volleying, and then just provide them the opportunity to make a mistake. And the Patriots are such a good team and such a well-coached team that all they have to do is just wait for you to make a mistake. And when it came down to it, um, all you know, they just waited long enough because they weren't going to be the ones to make a mistake. And sure enough, you know, towards the end of the fourth quarter, when the Bills were still in it, you know, Derek Anderson throws that pick six, you know, to basically seal seal the victory for the Patriots. Uh, but yeah, that, that's the kind of game that you know you can't even though, even though it was only timeouts, even though it was only challenges. I mean, those things just add up, and you can't have that. Mike, what do you think about uh, the game in general? Game in general, Monday Night Football back in Buffalo it was great. The atmosphere was electric. Look, we thought the pe- a lot of people thought it was going to be twenty-one-three after the first quarter. They hung with them. They made it a game. The Bills had, with the offense that they put on the field, they had no business winning that game. Um, but I was glad to see that they hung with the Pats. A couple different plays go our way. We could have could have stolen one. I mean, they were t- right into the third quarter and into the fourth quarter. We're like, man, a, we're a play or two away until that pick six backbreaker. Now, did you think that that was going to happen at one point, or did you think that the Bills legitimately had a chance to come back in this game and win it? Because I mean, I was watching up until what, like five or six minutes left in the fourth quarter. I'm like, they might actually, if 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 they somehow get a taint. Or if they can somehow, you know, throw that, like there was that Jason Kroom um, dropped touchdown pass in the end zone to get it, you know, within a score. Like there were things out there that led you to believe that they could have won. I mean, the crowd was just amazing. Like you said, Mike, electric, Monday night football, first time in 10 years, uh, the crowd was in it. And I think that played a big part in this game for the Bills. The Bills always play better at home. We know this. Um, But did you think that, you know, that they had a legitimate chance to win it, even even at that five or six minute mark. They did before. a great job making you think they had a chance, right? And to hold Brady um, to, to maybe, the, of course, an amazing quarterback, right? To, to zero touchdowns, to hold that offense. Defense played out of their minds. It's just, it's frustrating with that offense. And to, I think we believed, the Bills had us, like, believing. But it's, remember Braveheart when... Robert the Bruce betrays William Wallace and he goes to his dad. He's like, what, what did we do? He's like, in your heart, you always knew what had to happen. And like, that's how it feels like you knew, like you said, the bill, like the Pats just hang in there until you make a mistake. And that's what happened. We were, we surprised. We were not surprised in the least. Um, if there's any surprise, it was the fact that the bills hung with them, denied them touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. So you just started to, you just started to hope and pray and just believe and, and maybe, maybe tonight, maybe the Monday Night Miracle. But no, it was not to be. And when that happened, we were not surprised. Just hoping against hope that William Wallace wasn't going to oh. be betrayed by Robert the Bruce's leper father. <laughs> just, uh, sold for sold for lands and titles. <laughs> um, kings are made in such way. <laughs> oh man, I just want to watch that. Liars, liars are made in such ways. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's. I think, uh, yeah, I think that's his retort. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, what's I guess you know in general, what's the worst kind of way to lose a game? Is it is it where the Bills get blown out like last week against the Colts, or is it like this week where they could have beaten the best team in the league possibly, and they just fall short? You know, either by mistake or whatever you know like I, I guess in general to you guys john i mean what what do you think what's the worst way to lose is it is it like this type of loss 
or is it, you know, the Colts 37 to five sort of loss where they were never in it and the defense didn't show up at all? I don't know. It hurts really bad either way. Um, I guess, yeah, I mean, the blowouts, you know, they're demoralizing from the start. If you get, you're getting blown out, if it's right at the end, then you're having a heart attack, right? I mean, it's a game, it's entertainment and we were entertained. We had, we had fun, right? Yeah, we had fun for most of the game. Whereas the Colts game, you probably could have just shut it off at halftime, been like, "I'm good." Yeah, twenty-one nothing. No like, there's no point. There's no point. No nope. point. It was a, it was a good entertaining game for sure. Let's get into uh, some of the stats of the game. The stats of the game brought to you by our T Public store. You want to find some cool Bills gear you can't find anywhere else on the internet? Check tpublic.com/stores/ctwpod. Thirty percent off for the next day only. That means any size T-shirts are fourteen dollars. And all wall art for your man cave or home or office uh, starts. Is at that true? It's thirty percent off for one for one day only. Only one day. Only Halloween day. That's the only you day. You promised me it's then going back to full price. It's then going back to. Full I price. hate when stores put like oh one day only and it's like it's painted on the wall. That's enraging. Like oh today only fifty percent off and it's in, it's chiseled into the wall. <laughs> Forever, right? Like in tourist shops, right? Like it's. It's spray painted, it's chiseled, and then it's in the concrete. Yeah. That's not the case with that. That is not the case. It is over. I mean, there will be other sales later in the year, but I, I don't know when they're going to be. And I know that this one is now. So if you want to get on, if you want to get a some cool wall art or t-shirt, you have to do it in the next day. The famous Trust the Process logo and the end of the drought playoff graph. Um, again, see for yourself at tpublic.com slash store slash ctw pod um don't you hate that like jc penny or those places like there's always a sale like everything's always like 25 or 30 percent off all the time it's like nothing could be 20 all the time like there's got to be times when there's either a sale or there's not a sale like you're either paying full price and getting screwed <laughs> or mm-hmm. you're just getting a, a hold of a great deal if you've paid full price at jc penny <laughs> In the lifetime of J.C. Penny, look, it's like that poker. And what's the poker saying, John? Look around the table. If you don't see the soccer, you're the soccer. I, yeah. If there's ever been a person to play full price at J.C. Penny, you you've basically I, yeah. I got a bridge to sell my gas. I don't know. <laughs> you're basically the William Wallace. You've just been betrayed <laughs> by Sir Isaac Bruce, bringing that around, circling full circle, circle the wagons. Um, so. Stats of the game. Um, this is going off the rails. This is off the man. rails completely. Well, this is good because it's a recap game where the Bills lost. So um, it's better to do that in these sorts of games. Um, so we talked last week about the um, run, run, pass, punt statistics. Um, didn't see a whole lot of that this game, surprisingly. Um, but they did have a couple of third and long passes where, you know, third and long um, situations where they pass for like, four yards and just hope the guy can run through four defenders to get to the first down, which they never can. Um, they had a couple of those situations. They never can. <laughs> Cause it's not, the throw isn't the receiver running in stride. It's like the receiver coming back for the ball with three defenders between him running full speed back toward the ball. And then the first down marker. <laughs> so it was a hook route, a hitch, something. Um, so on the Patriots side of the ball, statistically, uh, Tom Brady, 29 for 30, 45, 324 yards, no touchdowns. Um, on the rushing side of the ball, actually, the, the leading rusher for the Pats was Corderell Patterson, who had 10 carries for 38 yards. So he's actually the leading uh, rusher for the Patriots with Sony Michelle out for injury. The, the leading receiver for the Pats was Julian Edelman, who always seems to have a good game against the Bills, nine receptions for 104 yards. Um, on the Bills side of the ball, um, the, by far the biggest output of any quarterback all season. And that's not really saying much because it, it, it still didn't amount to any points offensively, at least touchdowns. Derek Anderson was 22 for 39, 290 yards passing, which is crazy. Um, but then, you know, zero touchdowns, obviously, in that one interception. That one costly interception that was basically a 14-point swing. Um, the leading rusher on the Bills is Chris Ivory. Six for 34 yards. Um, again, he had over a five-yard per carry average this game. LaShawn McCoy, um, if you had to guess, okay, all right, we usually guess a statistic every week. If you had to guess LaShawn McCoy's rushing average per carry against the Patriots, what would you guess? Let's go John. LaShawn McCoy's, three, what? Three and a half. 
Three and a half yards per carry. Okay, all right. Mike. Price is right rules? No. No price is right rules. It's whoever's closest. <laughs> oh. Just in 3. general. 3.4. <laughs> yeah. the pitch. Yeah, it works. It works. Or else you would just say zero, though, if that was the case. <laughs> yeah. I, I Truthfully, I would say something like 2.8. 2.8? Wow. It, see, it's, it's so much less than that. Isn't that crazy? He had 12 carries for 13 yards on the day. 1.1 yard per carry, which is oh. insane. He was, however, the leading receiver for the Bills, six receptions for 82 yards. So he did have a um, good day receiving, surprisingly. Zay Jones, the actual, the next closest uh, uh, receiver, and there was actually a wide receiver. He had six receptions for 55 yards. So he's actually kind of coming into his own as much as he can. Of course, after his rookie season, all he can do is is kind of go up from there. Let's talk about some plays of the game that kind of stood out to us from that uh, shellacking by the Patriots. Um, I, I guess, uh, like I mentioned in the intro, um, the Bills started off playing really creatively. They did some wildcat plays on offense. Um, they started. They started. They, they had a flea flicker to Charles Clay on the uh, on the first drive, which was awesome. They didn't connect, and it was you know decent coverage, but. It was kind of a cool wrinkle in the playbook, um, and then they kind of went away from that the rest of the game. They didn't have a whole lot of creativity. They didn't really have a whole lot of motion or anything like that. They would you would hope from, you know, a creative uh, Bills offense. They kind of ducked into what they normally do, run through the middle, and just have, you know, some very safe passing routes. Um, there was one play where uh, <laughs> the broadcast brought up that um, Derek Anderson had a ball batted down. And if you notice, Jordan Mills was trying to make a chop lock against uh, uh, Patriots <coughs> defender uh, Trey Flowers. And Trey Flowers actually almost picks the pass because Jordan Mills is completely lying on the ground flat, <laughs> whiffs on the block, and Trey Flowers is just standing there like, well, okay, <laughs> you know, no one's blocking me. So um, that was that was okay. That, ba- that basically sums up the Bills' offensive line this season and in that game in general, it seems like there's always at least one play um, where a, an opposing team's defender takes a free shot at, uh, at Derek Anderson. That happened later in the game when uh, Kyle Vinoy had the uh, sack fumble on Derek Anderson. And I'm not sure. I don't think that one caused a concussion. There was another sack later that caused a concussion. But um, but were there any plays specifically that, that stood out to you guys, John? Anything specifically? I love flea flickers. I, I think they should run flea flickers all the time. Once a game, right? At least. Yes. Keep them guessing. That was like a triple reverse flea flicker, too, is the best of. Yeah. Yeah. I love those. I will say the bad part about triple reverse flea flickers is that all those guys are running in the backfield. <laughs> and so, like, well, eventually there's got to be some guy running out for a pass. So there's a lot less people doing it. Then, then they sack you immediately. <laughs> <laughs> so there was, uh, yeah, Flea Flicker is always good. Mike, were there any plays that specifically stood out to you? I know I wanted to bring up the Kelvin Benjamin 15-yard um, penalty for that crackback block when LaShawn McCoy had like a 30- or 40-yard run. It was his best run of the game, and it got brought back because, you know, Kelvin Benjamin it had a pretty dumb penalty, if you ask me. Um, it didn't need to be done. Um, he was arguing with the ref that it was with your shoulder. But if you know the rules, it doesn't matter if you're leading with your shoulder or your head. If you hit the opposing defender and he doesn't see you coming, you can't do it. You you basically can't do it. And he brought the play basically all the way back to where it originated from. So that was a that was a stupid penalty on Calvin Benjamin and a number a series of stupid things that he's done all season. He actually had, on that very next play, though, kind of redeemed... Well, he did redeem himself. And- totally redeem himself but he actually like put forth the effort looked like he felt bad and wanted to get back in the good graces which was surprising i guess for him to have a long catch that's the thing about calvin benjamin is is he doesn't seem to fight for those balls like i mean he's he's so big his arms are so long he can literally if the ball's up in the air he can like even if he's falling backwards he can like grasp it out of the air you know and just like pluck it out from defender's hands but he just waits for the ball to come to him it's just such a weird sort of situation i got something funny about kelvin benjamin later in our in our wall of fame segment there was that amazing uh edmonds tremaine edmonds tackle of james white in the backfield james white went out for a uh, just a pass out of the flat and tremaine edmonds 
saw it the whole way. He tackled him in the in the backfield for a loss. I thought that was a great play by Tremaine Edmonds. Unfortunately, he left the game with a concussion. But yeah, there was a there was and then there was also that that play where Brady ran for a first down on third and eight, which you never see Brady run. It was disappointing uh, to see that. That was a play where easily the Bills could have stopped them for a fourth down, and instead the 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 drive continued. I don't know. I, I don't want to get into too many plays of the game, but was there anything that stood out to you guys that you want to bring up besides those plays? That Milano pick that wasn't, man, that would have that would have been the game. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about Milano for a second. Actually, um, that goes right into our next segment, the Wall of Famer of the game. And I and I wanted to choose Matt Milano. I think the guy's shown up tremendously. This is his second season out of Boston College. Usually players that have a really good rookie season like he did suffer some sort of sophomore slump. He hasn't. He's been shown to be athletic. He's he's making plays in the backfield. He's making plays in coverage. Um, there was that, like like Mike just mentioned, that pick that wasn't against Rob Gronkowski. Have we ever had a player that could even come close to covering Rob Gronkowski on this team? You know, since since he's been in the league, I I don't I can't think of anyone. Um, he was the second highest rated linebacker in the league for Week Eight by Pro Football Focus. They they released a statement that he earned a career high single game grade of um, a ninety point six, which was the eighth highest grade among all defenders in uh, in Week Eight. So he had four he had four defensive stops, seven tackles. And he only allowed two catches on five targets. So yeah, I, I think he uh, I think he had a, a great game, just like he's had all season. John, uh, what about you? Who's you? Who's on your wall of fame after this loss? I'm gonna go with Thurman Thomas, Pro Football Hall of Famer, third Bills player to have his jersey retired. Heck of a speech last night, the Thurmanator. Nice, good call, good call there. Thurman Thomas getting his jersey, his number retired. At New Era Field last night, um, Mike. Mike, what about you? Who's on your wall of fame? Does he get to pick? You think what day he wants? Like which game that they're gonna do yeah. it? Yeah. Like of course Monday night's amazing, but you you kind of you don't like the opponent, right? Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. That's a good question. Do you remember when we had season tickets and Ralph Wilson was supposed to get his? He was supposed to get announced like at halftime, get his Hall of Fame ring. And the Bills were getting beat so badly that he didn't actually come out for it. And it wasn't done at that at that game. I, I wonder. That's a good question. I don't know if they choose it. I think it was just because it was a primetime game and people could see it and they knew it would be sold out. I'm sure, sure before they looked at it. I think they had to plan it so far in advance. You think it would either be like the home opener, which you know would be electric, or something like this. That's true. Home opener would be good. What about you? Hall, Wall of Fame. <sighs> You got to go with Milano, I think, or if not the entire defense. I thought they played inspired at home, and they have for a couple of games. Um, it's got to be so much more difficult with the ineptness of the offense. It's not like being a defense where you're on the field half the time, right? These teams that the Bills are playing, like they're dominating the time of possession, and you can see the defense getting gassed. But I think they've been playing admirably. Here's a good question for you guys, just in general: Would you rather have a team like the, well, not a team like in general, like the Bills, or a team that had like a great defense but an okay offense, which the Bills don't have, by the way? So I'm not saying that. Would you rather have the team that the Bills have because the Bills don't have a good offense at all? Would you rather have like a really great defense? with a decent offense or a really great offense with just a decent defense? I think it's the game has shifted so much in favor of the offense, right? It's not 50-50 like maybe it was 15, 20 years ago or even 10 years ago. It's now the offense is such the focus. It's it's more like they're 65% of the importance. Like you're expected to score touchdowns. Normal teams. Yeah, I guess normal teams right. do yeah, normal teams do score touchdowns. What's that like? It's like four out of eight games the Bills haven't scored a touchdown, I think it is. John, what what about you? What would you rather have? Same offense? Yeah, I agree. Um I mean look at a team like like the Chiefs, right? I mean or, or the Rams. I mean the Rams have a decent defense, but you gotta be able to score points um in this day and age. So I was thinking about it and I and I I agree with you guys. Obviously, it'd be great because if you have a great offense, odds are you have a good quarterback, and, and that's more sustainable over the long term, you know, over many years in a franchise. Whereas, 
if you have a really good defense, I feel like your time is very short for winning a championship. So, like, look at, like, the Seahawks. You know, they had a few years where they had an amazing defense. Now they have an okay defense. It's still pretty good, but, like, you know, it's not the same. Look at even the Jaguars this season from last season. Last season they had an outstanding defense. They get to the AFC Championship, they lose. But this year they're not the same team that they were. Whereas, like, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are always in it, and they're always a contender in the NFL, the NFC, because they have Aaron Rodgers. And if they catch lightning in a bottle and the defense also just happens to be pretty good that season, then they're a Super Bowl contender. You know, but other than that, it's just... it's. Yeah, once you once you get that franchise quarterback or you get the offense going like like you said the Rams do and the, and the Chiefs do, you're always in it. And even the Eagles last season, you know, um, with the way that they played. Um, can I? I want to give an honorable mention for the Wall of Fame, <laughs> and it's got to be. I thought it was the the quote of the night. It was hilarious, um, and I haven't watched a ton of Monday Night Football games, but Booger McFarland had the best quote of the night when he said. Kelvin Benjamin is one Popeye's biscuit away from being a tight end. It was easily the best quote of the night. And it's just, it's, <laughs> I, I, I don't watch this guy. I don't know if he has quotes like that every single Monday night football, but it was just, it was just perfect. It was kind of like a slight jab, but it was just a funny way of saying it. I don't know. <laughs> all right. So now let's go on the other side. Let's, let's all pick our wall of blamer of the game and the blame game. Let's play everyone's favorite game, whether it's at work. I thought you were going to send out that email. Or at home. I thought you put out the trash. Or when your favorite team loses, let's play the blame game. So um, I think we're probably all going to have the same um, the same person to blame. And that's the offense. Again, I mean, just just awful there's not much to say each week we can kind of keep hoping for something different hoping for something to show up but again you know it's just it's as bad as everyone thought it was going to be at the beginning of the season all the pundits that thought that the bills were going to go become you know going to last place and this was one of the reasons the offensive line the lack of weapons and just the quarterback play and when you're on your third quarterback i mean it's just it's just not good and when especially when the first two quarterbacks weren't necessarily great to begin with I mean, it's just not a recipe for success in winning in the league. I mean, you think the, the quarterback of the Bills, Derek Anderson, I mean, he was on the couch two weeks ago, you know, and he didn't play a meaningful snap all of 2017. And then in 2016, he was a backup. So, I mean, what did we really expect when it comes down to it? We were just hoping, you know, we being optimistic Bills fans. And again, I think they just let us down. I mean, are you guys in, you guys pretty much in agreement with that? Or do you guys have a guys separate, have a separate wall, of, wall, wall of, of blame for that? Wall. I would say it's being in McDermott in the sense of the the quarterback carousel in the sense of how do you, in this day and age, knowing the how valuable that position has become, go into the season with what we did, right? Um, it just seems like the backup quarterback is the most underrated position in sports because Week to week, there's always somebody coming in and making a difference. You saw last week or last year with Foles and the Eagles, right? Barely missed a step, and that's what won him the Super Bowl. Um, and there was a lot of quality guys out there from Bridgewater on down, and the Bills did nothing um, and just expected it to be okay, I guess. And that's, I mean, they were, sad, they were sadly mistaken. And, and to, in my mind, it cost, cost us the season. Or to have to have a meaningful shot at the playoffs. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, agree, hundred percent. I mean, let's not forget Peterman won the starting job to start the season, and that it was it was by design. He was the starting quarterback. He wasn't even the backup. And now now look where they are. I guess I, I I'm curious, and you so so we'll talk about this real quick um, because there's no really point in bringing it up later and getting into a long conversation about it because Mike just discussed it, but. Right now, Nathan Peterman is slated to be the starter next week against the Bears, and it's because Derek Derek Anderson is in concussion protocol. And, you know, you go back to it, and part of me wonders why um, Nathan Peterman is even on the roster in general. I, I think that I can't see any reason why you would think to keep him when you could bring in a Paxton Lynch or anyone else, almost anyone else, and 
it'd be tough to think that they would do any worse than Peterman. I mean, I guess maybe their argument for keeping Peterman on the roster and having him be the starter in the case of the situation of Allen and Anderson both being injured, which is the case this week, is that he knows the playbook. And it's like, well, well, so? <laughs> so he knows the playbook. So he knew the playbook week one, and what good did it do him? You know, he had an awful performance. He hasn't finished a game that he started. And it's I, there's no reason why there couldn't be some better quarterback out there other than not even put put Derek Anderson out of the equation. There's got to be a better backup than than uh, Nathan Peterman out there. And it is it does it's very annoying that they didn't even try for Teddy Bridgewater. I think that might have been a factor of the fact that they have so much dead cap space and they really can't do a move like that until next season, which we're going to discuss a little bit later on. I think that might be the reason why they waited until the end and then just signed A.J. McCarron to a, a cheap uh, two-year deal um, and, of course, ended up trading him. But, but yeah, it's, it's a good point. I, Bean and McDermott you know, are, are, are definitely, you know, it, it, it is for sure their fault for, for them being in the situation. What about you, John? Is there, any, is there anyone you want to put on your wall of blame for this, for this loss? No, I, I agree with those two. So I did want to give a um, an honorable mention, and and this was something that was brought up on Twitter, and I saw different articles um, speak about this. But um, ESPN did a pregame wing tasting, and um, you think obviously they're in Buffalo; they have to do Buffalo wings, they have to do a tasting, and Matt Hasselbeck and Charles Woodson and and those guys were you know in the pregame in the parking lot of New Era Field, and they're like, oh, we got to, you know, we got to do a wing taste test, right? Well, for some reason, they did this wing tasting using Applebee's boneless wings. And it's just kind of, I mean, if you're from Buffalo, so if you're out of the area, and we have a lot of listeners out of the state, you know, that aren't from the area, um, if you think of like, you know, just Buffalo wings in general, it's a very specific type. It's almost like, you know, using Applebee's for a wing eating contest is like uh, like doing a deep dish pizza eating contest in Chicago, but like going to Uno's. You know, like there are so many better places that are local, you know, that and you're just like, oh, we're just going to go to Uno's, just pick like a sponsor or whatever. And uh, it, was, it was, it's blasphemy. Like there's so many good places to eat buffalo wings in Buffalo, you know, besides like the, you know, the very famous Anchor Bar, the home of the Buffalo Wings, like my personal favorite, like I love Duff's. Duff's is a great place. But even the local pizza joints in the area, I mean, all the local pizza joints, they have better wings than Applebee's by far. And and by the way, we have an Applebee's right near my home, and I've never, ever once thought about getting wings there, ever. Because <laughs> cause the, pizza, the, the, the pizza places have better wings than, than all of them. So it was an insult on a couple. First, that they used Applebee's, which was stupid, and then boneless wings. Like, how is that an accurate, you know, choice for 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 testing wing sauce or for testing good wings? I mean, they're they're basically glorified chicken nuggets. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely makes sense. Did they have, wasn't, wasn't Applebee's Marshawn Lynch's favorite place in Buffalo? No, I think that was TGI Fridays. <laughs> TGI uh, Chili's. I can't remember. It was one of those. I get those all confused. Was it some kind of sponsorship thing? It's it's hard to imagine them being that. Tone deaf, I guess. It, it had to be. It had to be a sponsorship thing. And you know Duff's or Anchor Bar couldn't afford an ESPN sponsorship. So, yeah, <laughs> it was just – it was brought up by a few people on Twitter. I had to bring it up. Um, just ridiculousness. So so some injuries to Bills players um, of note. Obviously, we said the Derek Anderson concussion. Tremaine Edmonds suffered a concussion. We'll see if he'll be back for next week. Um, but with every Bills loss, we like to go into the bright side segment – so, you know, is to not 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 leave it in a very depressing tone after a Bill's loss. Always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the light side of life. So one of the things I'll say is that Brady uh, didn't throw a touchdown pass last night, which is a big thing. The last time he didn't throw that uh, throw a touchdown pass in a game was against the Bills last season also. So even though, again, we mentioned how good the Bills' defense has been playing, um, I think I think in general, as, as Bills fans, there's a lot of negativity out there. And I know, John, you discussed that. You've mentioned that over text. Um, and, you know, I've seen a ton of it over Twitter. Not so much from, like, media personalities, but, like, people from, like, 
you know, very um, popular Twitter accounts out there just kind of bashing the Bills and just and just really, you know, um, criticizing the season and everything. And it's kind of gotten to the point for me, and I don't know if you guys agree with this, is is that you really you really have to look at this season in a long term point of view. And this is one of the, the the general topics I wanted to bring up on the podcast, is that this season it, it sucks. What, what's what's rough is it's the Bills are two and six unless they go, you know, seven and one and somehow secure a wild card spot like last season. They're probably not going to make the playoffs, and it's very rare that you get. You know, you have a season end this early, right? To be two and six by week eight. I mean, one of the things that doesn't help is they've only had three home games so far this season. So you have how many, you know, thousands of season ticket holders. They're like, really, I got to go to five more games in New Era Field and crappy weather when the Bills are already out of it. And I completely get it. So if you're a season ticket holder, you have every right to be pissed off at this. But I think with this season, you kind of have to look at it in the long term, like we're looking for progress now. Any anything viewed on the offense is considered progress moving forward because the defense is looking pretty good. They spent a lot of the offseason with their salary and draft picks on defense, and the defense is looking pretty good. And for the most part, they're really not losing a whole lot of players on the defense next season to expiring contracts. Now, some major players that the Bills do have losing on defense. Kyle Williams, who's 36 years old. Now, they do lose him after this season, which sucks because he's one year close to retirement. He probably will retire after next season, but again, he could sign another one-year deal. I'm sure they'd give him one um, because of his leadership ability, but they do have players on the backside that can fill fill in for him, like Harrison Phillips. Um, Lorenzo Alexander is another player that they're losing after this season on defense. And then after that, it's like Jordan Phillips which is a, a guy that's really shown to be a really great fill-in the last few weeks since they've signed him. So any any of those three guys, I mean, they could potentially lose all three and still have a very good defense next season. So, okay, so think about that. The Bills have the potential to sign all three of those players back for either one-year deals or longer. Um, but even so, they should still be a good defense. Next season, they have over $90 million in cap space. And the only players that they lose, they're basically you're basically looking at a whole new offensive line from next season. So besides Deion Dawkins, besides um, I guess John Miller has an ex- has a John Miller is going to be gone. Jordan Mills is going to be gone. Um, I think Vlad Dukas is still going to be with the team. So him, Deion Dawkins, and then you're basically building off Wyatt Teller, fifth round pick this year, and then anyone else that they draft or sign in free agency with the ninety million dollars they have. So that's one point of contention with Bills fans is the offensive line. It sucks. It's terrible, right? I agree completely. The offensive line is horrendous. With $90 million, you will get a whole new offensive line. So as terrible as it looks this year, it's going to be completely different next season. You will not recognize it. And unlike other positions and other areas of a team, you can go from having a very terrible offensive line to drafting well and making good free agent acquisitions and having a, a, a good to an average to very good offensive line in one season. With the right coaching. Okay, so I'm going to go on to wide receivers. Same thing. Um, the Bills are the only wide receiver that the Bills are really losing next season um, is Calvin Benjamin, um, which I don't think any of us would be upset if he if he left. Terrell Pryor, which we're going to talk about later, just signed with the Bills. He'll be a free agent next season. Um, Cam Phillips, which you know <laughs> just just got brought up from the practice squad last week. We haven't seen anything out of yet. I mean, the Bills' wide receiving core is going to look completely different next season. Zay Jones is going to have another year under his belt, which is you know usually the year that wide receivers make the next step. They make a big step into their career as a third year. Um, it's when they usually break out. So um, you know you're looking at a whole different offensive line. You're looking at a whole different wide receiving core. Um, they're still going to have Chris Ivory under contract. They're still going to have um, Marcus Murphy under contract and LaShawn McCoy. So the running backs are going to look very similar. They might even upgrade in one or two areas in a, in a draft acquisition. So so between wide receiver and offensive line, you will see a whole different team. So you'll be able to put pieces and parts around Josh Allen. So even though it looks bad this year, the defense for the most part will stay intact. And the wide receiver core and the offensive line, as long as you trust being in McDermott to find the right pieces and, and get the right players and, and through the draft and free agency, this is going to be a whole different team. So, um, so yeah, I just wanted to leave on, on somewhat of a positive note when in our bright side segment, 
that's kind of how I see this game. I know Bills fans are upset. You have to have the long-term view of this because if you think about it, as long as you kind of emotionally detach yourself from the team, like you're in a good spot because if they lose, it's okay because you're going to get a better draft pick, right? If they win, they got that means that they showed some sort of progress offensively, unless it was a complete defensive shutdown and they get two two pick sixes, then it was a good showing. Like like think um, week three against the Minnesota Vikings where they had a really good offensive showing. And, and you know, eventually we'll get Josh Allen back in the in the second half of the season and we'll see what he can do. Hopefully he can progress and the Bills the Bills can, you know, have a good second half of the season. One thing I wanted to bring up, um, which is kind of just like kind of brought me back to the idea that the Bills haven't had a home game on Monday Night Football since 2008. Is do you guys remember being kids when the Bills were really good in the 90s and they would play like Monday Night Football all the time? Like back in the day, like right now, Sunday Night Football is the ticket. But back in the day, Monday Night Football was the game of the week, right? Like it was so much bigger because it wasn't Thursday Night Football. And I don't even know at, at the time there was Sunday Night Football. I think it was just you know, the, the one o'clock and four o'clock games. And it was just Monday night football game of the week. Right. And in the nineties, the bills were always playing Monday night football. And when we were kids, you know, the game started a little bit later, started nine o'clock. And if you were lucky, you know, your parents would let you stay up to like the first half. Right. <laughs> and you could watch like to like 10 30, which, you know, is like an eight or nine year old. That's like, that's pretty late bedtime, you know? Um, and I just find it ironic that, you know, like, and then the next day you'd have to read about it in the paper because ESPN, I don't think was even that big of a deal then. So you have to read about it in the paper and see how well, you know, the bill, did the Bills win or not, right? And it's just ironic now that like the bill, now that we're old enough, you know, we're a little bit, you know, older, we can stay up as late as we want. <laughs> we can stay up and watch every, any game we want to just as long as we feel like it, as long as we physically can do it. And now they're they're not a good team. Like they never get the Monday night or Sunday night games. And you know, do you really want to stay up and watch them most of the time? Like, no. I just thought that that was kind of ironic as an adult that how it's completely shifted one way or the other. But do you guys remember that? You guys remember watching like the beginning of Monday night football as kids? Yeah, or vaguely, I do remember. Hey, you must have a memory of an elephant because it's all a blur to me. I remember like just wanting to watch the game and they're like oh they're on it you know nine o'clock and you know it's like it's just funny just yeah it's just teasing yourself what's the point of that <laughs> as a kid you don't have any idea of delayed gratification it's like oh yeah you know but yeah just ironic that now that we're older and we can stay up as late as we want <laughs> i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to sometimes and especially the the nostalgia definitely brought back with the thurman thomas you know retirement of his jersey along with seeing Jim Kelly and Bruce Smith. It was just kind of like a nostalgia factor with it being on Monday Night Football and seeing those guys. So let's talk about the news of the day. Um, as, as, as far as the trade deadline goes, the Bills have made absolutely no trades. They did not trade away any any players that we thought that they might, and they did not gain any players in acquisition from a trade. So really the Bills roster stayed the same. I was kind of thinking that they might be sellers, because they're two and six, and they know that the, their chances of making the playoffs are very limited. But you know, it, it, it was it was what it was. Um, <clears throat> so big news is former Jets, Browns, Raiders wide receiver Terrell Pryor signs with the Buffalo Bills on a one year deal. Um, so I'm going to ask you guys what you guys think. I want you guys to give me a thumbs up or thumbs down, and and I'll play this. So if you give me the thumbs up. I'll give I'll give this sound bite. Dilly dilly. dilly dilly. And if you give me the thumbs down on the uh, Terrell Pryor signing, um, I'll play this one. All right. So, so since we haven't done this in a while, I was hoping we would do it for grade the trade. But since there were no trades, we'll we'll do it this way. Um, I'll go first. So my thoughts on the Terrell Pryor signing. Dilly dilly. dilly. I mean, it's not. An amazing signing. I don't want to say that this is like, oh, this is great. But Terrell Pryor, six foot four, two hundred twenty eight pounds. The guy runs a, the guy ran a four three eight forty in uh, in in the combine. And now, mind you, he's like twenty nine years old, so it's been a, a few years. But that was a better four four forty time than Adrian Peterson. So the guy is not only a speed threat; he's got size. He's been proven in the league. He's been proven with quarterbacks that aren't amazing um, in Cleveland. Um, I think the guy has some numbers to to back up 
his legitimacy. It's a one-year deal. It's a prove-it deal. Hey, if you want to, you know, if if you play well this season, we we will resign you to a longer-term contract. Let's see what your um, relationship with Josh Allen is when he comes back. Obviously, Terrell Pryor probably won't play this week against the Bears, so it'll give him a week. Another week, the the bye is in a couple of weeks after that. Um, let's see what happens with him. I'm I'm optimistic as I am with every Bill signing or trade that this was the right deal. But but I'm excited. I think he becomes a wide receiver one on this team. I think he in, he's instantly a better receiver than Calvin Benjamin um, from what we've seen at least this season from Calvin Benjamin. Um, it certainly can't hurt their wide receiving core. And um, and yeah, I, I'm I'm a fan of it. So John. Jen, why don't you go next? Give me the thumbs up or or, or a thumbs down. Oh, so so not 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 high on it, huh? Yeah, I was I was kind of wavering, but um, my, my initial thought was, meh, who cares, right? Sure, sure, he's an upgrade at two positions, but it's not going to help anything. Like they could bring in Odell Beckham, and that's not going to help anything. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point with the quarterback play. You know, that's a good, uh, th- what you just said right there is I, I'm almost positive he's coming in as a wide receiver, right? Like 99% sure. But there's a very realistic possibility that he is the best quarterback on that. Not only is the best wide receiver on this roster, he's probably the best quarterback on this roster just by default, <laughs> you know, in that respect. I mean, in both areas by default. So, but, oh yeah. So another thing I was going to say, one of the reasons I like the, the signing is it takes him away from the Jets, which the Jets cut him a couple weeks ago. He suffered a slight groin tear, but apparently he's back to full health or close to it. And the Jets said that they wanted to sign him back after that. So it takes a weapon away from an AFC East opponent, which even though the Bills or Jets probably won't make the playoffs, I still always love to take players and talent away from an opposing AFC East division rival. So, Mike, what do you think? Give me the thumbs up or thumbs down on this this signing. Ooh. Dilly dilly. There's no downside, Nate. I mean, it's like book, books nowadays. <laughs> it's like right, like oh, self-help book. You somebody has a, a, a an idea that you could write in a page, but but books you have to package in two hundred pages. So it's the same idea is distilled over and over. What do you want me to say? Like right, there's no downside. That's the advantage of bringing him in, seeing what he can do. Yeah. Yeah, and if you like him, guys, the limit. If he plays well, you sign him to a long-term contract. If he if he wants to stay here and yeah. Well, if he plays well, he'll probably get looks by contenders and <laughs> move on. But. Yeah, of course. So this is a Halloween podcast episode. Um, I wanted to bring up some some very like spooky sort of um, predictions for the Bills, like things that would scare us as Bills fans, things that we if 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 it happened this season that it would really upset us or, or really scare us to hear. So, like, if I mentioned something just randomly, you'd be like, oh, I, I don't want that to happen. That's really scary. I hope that doesn't happen for the Bills. So, like, for example, um, I want to give a spooky prediction. Then you guys can give one, um, one that you like or one that's similar or, or something completely off the board. One spooky, not prediction per se, but a spooky story, a ghost story for the Bills is – the Bills have an amazing second half of the season. They win seven games, and they do it on the strength of their defense. Their offense doesn't really progress, and they end up going seven and nine. So not only do they screw themselves out of getting a top five pick, which right now they do have the fifth position in the draft if the season were to end today. So they go from like having the fifth overall position in the draft to having like the 16th position or some crappy draft position that keeps him out of getting a possible elite player. So that's something when I hear that, I'm like, ah, oh, please don't happen because, because if the bills don't make the playoffs, which odds are they won't this season. Um, I definitely don't want them to go like seven and nine or eight and eight, eight and eight is like worst case or nine and seven and miss the playoffs due to like some wild card technicality. So I'll say like the bills go like nine and seven or seven and nine or eight and eight and miss the playoffs, but also have a crappy draft pick for next season. What do you guys think? That's a really hard one to top right there. That's that's. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to say any any um, any freak injury to any of, especially the their their young talent that they've gotten um, over the last couple of seasons. I mean, obviously, you know Josh Allen's already hurt, but like, luckily it wasn't super significant. You know, I, I, I'd hate to see anything like that happen. Ooh, that's a good one, John. Like. 
Like, ah, uh, like, so what, what would be like really spooky? Like the spookiest injury of all, uh, like Matt Milano, like we were just saying, like a young guy who's definitely proven and is uh, a staple in his defense and he misses all of this season and part of next season. Uh, I don't like that. I don't like that. Like Tredavious White, pretty much my favorite player right now on this team. Something happened to him. That would be very upsetting to me. That's scary. Um, yeah, anything like that. That's a good point. It's a good point, John. What about you, Mike? I want the Bills to win as many games as they can. That draft, and you're talking about that order, is way overrated. Maybe when you're when you're going for the the best quarterback, but they're not going to draft a quarterback. They already got their quarterback. So the in the draft every year, there's all pros up and down all those rounds. So the difference is you're overselling the import the relative impor- importance of the difference in those picks is my my feeling okay all right so give me a spooky story i have a, i have a reply to that but that argument but well i mean it sucks to to always have it thrown in our face right but tom brady is the perfect example the arguably the best quarterback and look at where he was taken um and it it's like that every year um the worst thing that could happen for the bills is kind of what john alluded to but specifically it's it's if the josh allen injury is worse than anticipated or if he comes back and something else happens because they're tying their future when you pick somebody that high right everybody's future is tied to him so it's mcdermott it's bean it's it's everybody it's they're all in on josh allen and we talked too about the, the offense is what runs the nfl nowadays as he goes so go the bills for the next whatever three three, four years, and they have nobody else at quarterback. That's a good point. I I, I like that one. I like the, the the injuries are definitely a scary part of this season, even though you know they're kind of out of it. Anything that could affect next season, which is really what we're looking forward to at this point, is, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely scary. How about this one? How about this scary notion is that McDermott and Bean really don't have a good culture process put in place, and that after this season – like they could go two and fourteen this season, and next season, even with the same talent, they could go two and fourteen. Like that's that's scary to think, you know. Or 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 even that they that they whiffed on Josh Allen, that that he isn't the franchise quarterback. I mean, that's scary to me to think that to think that like I mean, he's definitely going to be the starter next season, no matter what, no matter how he finishes this season, barring injury and things like that. Like long term, they scare me as a Bills fan. It's pretty spooky to think about it or to even. Because because let's say, like, to your point, Mike, the draft is is, is definitely um, a crapshoot. Let's say they do end up, for, for argument's sake, they end up with a top five pick. And there's a potentially great quarterback in their grasp, and they decide to pass on him. So that, to me, that's scary. <laughs> like, that they would, because they clearly will. If there is one available, they will trade down. Because they'll they'll think that they're all set. So um, that's scary to me, that, that, that if Josh Allen isn't the guy, that not only did they pass on Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, but they picked one up in a bad season for quarterbacks, but then they passed on another one, another potentially good quarterback. So like that to me is like the most scary scenario possible. Um, but, but okay. So aside from the spooky, I, yeah, I don't even like that. <laughs> That's the completely opposite of the bright side segment. But um, I want to bring up to what you were saying, Mike, about the draft being a crapshoot. I agree hundred percent. It is a crapshoot, but the ability of having a top five pick, what that gives you is it gives you the ability to have somebody want to trade up with you that needs a quarterback. So if you're saying the Bills are set at quarterback and they think Josh Allen is their future, that's great, whatever. But if there's a, a team that's like a number, let's say you end up being a top five, let's say you're number three, right? And the second quarterback on the board or the first quarterback on the board is somebody wants to trade up for it. Well, let's say they're number five and you can get almost the same player that you were going to draft. And number three, at number five, and only move down a couple of spots and net like a first round next year or a second round pick this year and, you know, still get a really great player. Like then you're just adding ammo to either move up or down or just acquire more talent. Like that's what teams that think that they have their, you know, future franchise quarterback that are in like the very few, in the very top of the draft, they move down a few spots and then they still get a really good player. You know, like think about the Colts. And the Jets, like the Colts only moved back three spots, right? And they still got like uh, an elite guard in Quentin Nelson. And then they also got like three second round picks along with it or whatever the Jets had, two more second round picks. It's just like, you know, they just stockpiled ammo. 
And we think the Bills have a very good defense. So let's say they could still get an amazing, if they can't get like the best or one of the top two best prospects in the draft, well, then, you know, trade back a few spots and get a really good one still. And then, you know, just, then it's a crapshoot after that, right? Just like the more picks, the more, you know, tickets you had in the lottery, the more chance you're going to win, right? So, um, so I will say that to having a higher pick does afford you the ability that usually people aren't trying to, to trade up to like number 15 to draft their quarterback. Usually I know it happened with the bills, but at number 10, but you know, usually that's not the case. Um, the trade deadline came and passed. The bills made no trades or anything. Um, so I just have this general discussion for you guys. Um, the trade deadline is after week eight of the NFL season, but I feel like that's kind of early. I mean, wouldn't you think, and there were some major trades um, today, um, you know, Golden Tate got traded from the Lions to the Eagles. Uh, Ty Montgomery got traded from the Packers to the Ravens. Um, Haha Clinton Dix got traded from the Packers. Demarius Thomas got traded from the Broncos to the Texans. Um, so there's some definitely some big trades in general, which is which is great to see. By the way, I love seeing it. But I feel like it's too early in the season. Whereas in baseball, like uh, no way, it's too late. It's too late. You think baseball is too late in the season? No, I think football is too late. You think it should be Those earlier? Those are your teammates, man. Your brothers. You 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 sweat and whatever. I don't want to say bleed in too much hyperbole, but right, that that should be your team. Remember Will Smith and Bad Boys ride together, die together. It's it's total BS that you can just move the chess pieces around and buy championships toward the end in baseball. Yeah, like get rental players that are on expiring contracts just to get yeah. you through the postseason. And completely shift the the balance of power at the end of the year. That just, it doesn't seem right. Because right now, like in week eight, you don't really know necessarily if you're a good team or a bad team. So you could be like three and five and be in a terrible division and still think you have a shot of winning. Like, let's say you're in the NFC East, right? <laughs> and you're the Reds, or not the Redskins, but like if you have a three and five record, you could potentially win that division. Whereas like at two and six, the Bills actually probably aren't going to make a run for the AFC East. They, they definitely won't win the division, but I kind of like the trade deadline. I'm not a big baseball fan, um, but I know in hockey, they do the same thing. They kind of trade players and yeah, I, I can see your point, Mike, but I kind of like the big trades happening, like the ability of a team to kind of get better. But what it also does is allows it's like mercenaries, man. It's like the revolutionary war with the Hessians. You just pay people to go fight for you. Yeah, I kind of American. No, I kind of like that. though. <laughs> well, it's but you're also helping your team. So if you know that you're not going to vie for a playoff position, why wouldn't you potentially get rid of a player which you know you can lose because either you have guys behind them that are just as good on a cheaper contract that you why can. Why don't we make it right space. up till the Super Bowl? Then you can do anything you want up till the Super Bowl. <laughs> I think that's kind of a little bit ridiculous. <laughs> right up right, until the Super like, Bowl, it, that's that's a little too far. Okay, in advance. so the line is somewhere. Somewhere, oh yeah, for sure. I think it should be a couple weeks later. I don't think it should be necessarily as late as the baseball season. Like, I think the equivalent in the NFL based on how many you know games in baseball out of 162, I think it would be like week 10 or 11. Then you would know, because, you know, teams could be 6-5 and five and still be in it but not make the playoffs, even if they trade for a great player, you know. They can still miss the playoffs. But, yeah, maybe not so close to the deadline, but I, I think a week it's or like two. It's like you're playing a pickup sport, right, or like rec-level volleyball at the beach. You've got this team's number. You've beat them. You've, be, you've beat them every time you've faced them. And then, oh, when it comes to the playoffs and the finals, oh, they recruited half their team as other other guys that are seven foot tall. <laughs> like, it just doesn't feel right. They just got out of, like, D1 volleyball scholarships. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I so that's a little bit different because you're talking about the playoffs, like literally playing someone, substituting your whole team in the playoffs. Whereas I'm talking about and and the other, so you would get nothing in return, you know, um, out of that. So um, I, I don't think it's. Quite well, maybe you played your your divisional opponents twice. You've got them, and then no, they just buy their talent. Whatever. We're we're getting off track, but I'm totally right. Think about <laughs> it. You'll see that. I think I like the idea of like players being moved and, you know, teams that are definitely know that they're not vying for a spot, like getting better one way or another, either unloading a player that they know they can't re-sign either due to cap or they just don't like him and getting something for him in return as opposed to just losing him in free agency. 
even if it's like a fifth round pick or whatever, right? So the Broncos obviously think they have a better team. They don't, they probably won't vie for a playoff spot this season. And they have Cortland Sutton waiting in the wings. They have Emmanuel Sanders. They have good players, you know, behind Demarius Thomas. So they think they can lose him. Why not try to get something out of him instead of just letting him go for nothing, you know, instead of just cutting him in the off season. I think it's smart. I think it's, I think it's a great play to make if you're a GM. And I kind of wish there was a little bit more of that. I mean, it's more. And so don't get me wrong in the, in this season and the last season or so, like there's been a lot more movement, like Jay Jai last year, you know, to the Eagles. Like there's been more bigger names than there has been. Um, but I don't know. I kind of I, I like it. I kind of wish there was just a little bit more. That's that's all. I guess that's just that's just my point, Mike. I, I see what you're saying. Um, but then again, I never think of it that way because the Bills are never in the playoffs. I never think of the Bills getting screwed by another team because they they because it's, you know they're the Patriots picked up this player, you know. So um, so oh, one thing I wanted John, to John, who is correct. John, John, break the tie. Yeah. I, I think I think it's fine. The deadline where it is. I mean, if you're looking for for more, I mean, all the trades, a lot, not all of them, but a lot of them happen right at the trade deadline anyway. So all you're doing is just pushing it further along. Thank you, John. Yeah, I mean, not to disagree with you, John and Mike, but I mean, you push it <laughs> a couple weeks more, and there'll be even more people talking. There's going to be more teams because if you're if you're four and four going into you know, week nine, you don't know if you're a good team or not. You think you are. You That's probably, the point. Yeah. It's not I, decided. I know, but four so and six. It is a hard decision. Four and six. You're saying like, oh, that it helps that team, but it's equal for everyone. I know, but there's going to be more movement. There will be more movement. If your team's four and six, like you're probably not making the playoffs. Like probably not. So you're going to try to trade those players that you were like, well, let me hold on to uh LaShawn McCoy or whatever because of, you know, next season. Because you know, I, I understand, but so what? Exactly. So what? <laughs> just trade them away. Get some draft That's capital. Stupid. <laughs> what? No, you're just building your team up, man. Rebuilding, stocking, draft, or stockpiling it, it, it's draft just picks. Such a negative influence for those games. The remaining games, the the crappy teams are going to be crappy, and it's like it's not in the NFL's best interest to put a poor product on the field that when like a one-sided thing. You want to keep it competitive for as long as you can. Well, look at the Panthers last season. They got rid of Kelvin Benjamin. They did fine last season. Kelvin Benjamin, how is he your argument for everything? He sucks. <laughs> there haven't been a ton of there haven't been a ton of trades. Is that mean I can go off? Well, let's say let's say a Jay Ajayi or whatever, okay? Like Jay Ajayi gets traded. Like the the Dolphins obviously didn't like the way that he was fitting in with the locker room. So if you think that he's an addition by subtraction, you should be able to trade him and get something for him. Because you, you can, have a guy up to week eight. If you haven't figured it out by then, that's on you. Well, maybe it takes a couple more weeks to see that he's not trying because they know that they're not in it. And you get a full evaluation of the guy's culture or the way he is in the locker room. Maybe the guy becomes a cancer. Maybe he stops running routes. Maybe he stops trying so hard when he hits the hole. And maybe he needs so, a change. So of the good scenery. star players are going to be concentrated in those teams. And then the the worst the bad teams are going to get worse for that year. And who's going to want to watch any of those games? Um, no, no, I, I see your point. I see your point. And we have asked the neutral third party arbiter. Oh, John's opinion sucks. It doesn't count for shit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'd rather ask my dog's opinion. You both agreed it was a tie-breaking vote. I did yes. not. I agreed. No such thing. Mike just brought it up, and I just didn't oppose it. So I abstained from John being able to decide, mostly because he doesn't agree with me. Um, I filibuster that vote. Um, so uh, the other thing... It's already been voted. You can't filibuster after vote. Whatever. Yeah. Let's move on. I'm gonna but let the record show. I'm going to appeal that to higher courts or whatever they do in the government. I don't... Yeah. Next week, the next game for the Bills is against the 4-3 and three Chicago Bears in Buffalo at 1 p.m. where the Bills, as of now, are 10-point underdogs. So, you know, let's see if they can pull out a win this week. Um, somehow, you know, shock the Bears. If anything, we're just looking for progress. A, a loss doesn't really hurt us at this point. It doesn't mean anything. And, you know, we are just, just have to have a long-term point of view. If you're a Bills fan, you just have to look at it. Is like, let's see what we can get for next year. Because you know what? I, I know we're all going to get emotionally invested into each game, like just because we're fans, but you know, just got to let the stuff roll off from week to week and let it go from there. So, signing off for John, Dilly Dilly. And for Mike, Go Bills. And for me, Nate, Go Bills. The future, the long term future is bright. 
We'll be able to talk to you guys again soon. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Right now, businesses are facing tough choices. Do you cut costs or drive growth? Solve for today or build for tomorrow? Do you satisfy your shareholders or satisfy your customers? The answer is yes. You don't have to choose. With the intelligent platform for digital business from ServiceNow, you can say yes to unifying your existing systems and yes to accelerating growth. Visit servicenow.com to see how we can help you put yes to work. The world works with ServiceNow.